Podcast 14.0B. You know how in Demolition Man all the restaurants turn into Taco Bell? Well, this year, uh, <laughs> I have no idea where I would go. Go block season preview. We're going to tackle the defense with tackles. <laughs> yeah, I mean this 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 one isn't going to be nearly as positive as the offense. It's not going to be like depressive or anything. But at no point are we going to be like, wow, we've never been this optimistic about anything in our whole lives. Uh, no, but you know you know what we are optimistic about our sponsors. Yes, there you are. Our sponsors. How about that? Did I get that one? Yay. <laughs> Thank you to Underground Printing for making this all possible. Rishi and Ryan have been our biggest supporters from the beginning. Check out their wide selection of officially licensed Michigan fan gear at their three store locations in Ann Arbor or learn about their custom apparel business at undergroundshirts.com. We'd like to thank our associate sponsors as well. Homeshire Lending, Peak Wealth Management, Ann Arbor Elder Law, Michigan Law Grad, Human Element, the Phil Klein Insurance Group, Prentice 4M, where we are currently, The Nosebleeds, which is the Scholar Brothers' new show on UCF Fight Pass, and introducing to the podcast our longtime ticket partners, Ticket IQ. Okie dokie. So, uh, the defense, we'll start with the defensive line and... Uh, in marked contrast to last year, we'll start with the defensive tackles. Because <laughs> uh, despite the, I, I would say, unexpected departure of uh, Chris Hinton to the nether regions of the NFL draft, this looks like it's a fairly solid spot for Michigan. Mozzie Smith is coming off being named the number one freak in the country by Bruce Feldman. And that's a good thing. Yeah, I mean, the the last guys to show up that high on the list of Quiddy Pay and Aiden Hutchinson. Quiddy Pay was number one. Hutchinson was number two. Never heard of those guys. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I, I mean, Michigan facilitates that a little bit. They do. <laughs> so one thing you notice when you read Feldman's articles is that he has a lot of video that he's uploaded himself to The Athletic from Michigan's department. Uh-huh. Like, they're kind of closed <laughs> off in terms of media, but when Feldman's like, I want to talk to the S&C guy. They're like, yes, sir. Would you like a canopy? And so, so I think Michigan uh, definitely helps their rankings by being very open and providing a lot of video. So four guys made uh, his freaks list this year, three of whom we're going to talk about in this segment. <clears throat> but Mazi Smith was number one. And Smith, like I remember doing his recruiting profile, and I was like, this guy is going to be it. Uh-huh. And then – he couldn't take two snaps without needing to sit down you know, as, a, as a freshman. And <clears throat> I was like, okay, when is this going to happen? When is this going to happen? When is this going to happen? And last year, I didn't. I don't think it happened last year. Ooh. I mean. It was, it was beginning close. to happen. It, it took the big step to happening. I mean, the, it took it, – it, he went from, uh, is this ever going to happen, to it's happening Ron Paul hands. Like, no. It was happening, No, man. no. It I, wasn't happening like that. Uh, it was It was pretty happening. I mean, no. defensive tackles is a spot where, like, if you're doing well, you're going to score high. Okay. But, like, his positives to negatives ratio was three to one, which is okay, good well, defensive tackle range. Well, what, what about the raw impact rate? 
I mean, fairly high. I mean, what was what like one twenty nine positive, forty five negative. I mean, he was in. He was involved a lot. He's on the field a lot. He was on the field for seventy percent of their. So snaps. he's like plus ten, minus five, so, for about for a game. Sure. Yeah. That's not happening. <sighs> that's happening is Aiden Hutchinson putting up a plus twenty. Oh God, that's or or that's not happening. That's or like, or Mo Hurst doing that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mo Hurst, you're in another level. Like how many? You how want, many, you want a plus thirty from him? How many like a, casual Michigan fans do you think would have had Mozzie Smith at like the tip of their tongue before the Freaks article came out? Probably none. So in that sense, it's not happening. He became a functional and solid defensive tackle last year. Yeah. And now the question is, can he become Mo Hurst? Essentially, he's never going to play like Mo Hurst. They're different I, types of players, but. I see. I'm I'm higher on the baseline, and I'm lower on the ceiling just because he he had no pass rush last year, right? And like, where is that going to come? Are you are you going to become a 337 pound destructo? Because like, what they're destructo. I, I used to read comic books, uh, but I mean that what made him the freak of the year. The information they fed to Falman was that they had to like order new weights. Because like the machine that they had to like his rotational strength, his, his rotational strength was so strong that like the machine couldn't go any higher. So now he's just gonna grab people and rotate them, right? And then he'll get pass rush like that by like <laughs> spinning people into the quarterback like it's Captain America's shield. Sure, uh, he doesn't have he doesn't have the speed to like turn into like <clears throat> the first overall draft pick. No, no, no. But what I'm saying yeah. is that there are, there are guys who are making an impact on every play. And he's not going to play like Mohurst, but he's not going to be Ndamukong Sue. Yeah. But he could start approaching that if he can translate that freak stuff onto the field. Well, and he helps Chris Jenkins out because you have to double Mozzie Smith, and he doesn't really move when he gets doubled. So it opens the door for other guys to add pass rush, too. And there's a difference between a guy who, like, you have to double him because he's big and yeah. a guy you he have to double him. And he is a half to double. Him. Right, and so like, what? So what happens when you send a fifth guy? Is Mozzie Smith bull rushing the guy back into the quarterback on basically every snap? Because I think that's in the realm of possibility. I don't think I don't think it's necessarily likely, but I think that's in the realm of possibility. And so Mozzie Smith to me is potentially a big part of the what now? Yeah. After Ojabo and Hutchinson. There's the point right there, because I think last year some of his pass rush, uh, or the non-existence of his pass rush, was because that was not his role. Like, his yeah. job was to hang out by the line of scrimmage while Ojabo and Hutchinson come at, you know, yeah. three steps away from each other and collapse the pocket. You had that luxury where it's like, how many screens did Michigan get run on them last year? <laughs> right. I, well, none, because the defensive tackles were just like, oh, let's check the running back out. Like, uh -huh. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the, the, and and Mozzie didn't have to... Like he didn't have to go forward; he just could stay there, and yeah. like, and that was your guy. This year, I think it's going to be the opposite. They're probably going to use the ends as contain and let the defensive tackles collapse the pocket. Yeah, Mike Morris in particular is going to be a guy who is more of a bull rush guy, more of a wormly pass rusher, and right. going to constrict the pocket. And then that gives you an opportunity if you're Mozzie Smith to just like again pick up a guy bodily and fling him back in the quarterback. Right. And the program is all in on Mozzie. They want you to know how good he is right now. Well, 
I mean, he's probably and the he's best also player a leader on the defense too. Him I, and Morris seem like two of the foremost leaders I emotionally mean, out, and outside of the quarterbacks. I think he's the biggest X factor on the team, right? Yeah, like he could be anything from like a solid Big Ten tackle to an All American. I mean, there's Junior Colson out there. That we can get to him in a bit, but like he's definitely the most important guy on yeah. the team. Like Mozzie Smith goes down, there's. The depth gets really thin, let's, really fast. Let's not con- contemplate that just yet. Uh, let's talk about Chris Jenkins, former Go Blog Sleeper of the Year, now rounded into 290-pound fo- form, uh, dusted some guys in the spring game, not starters, uh, <laughs> but looked like a guy who has the agility and the technique to go around people in a way that Smith may not. So if you're looking for your Mohurst, that might be more harsh. I think Ryan Glasgow is going to be a closer comparison mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> just because Mohurst um, was immediately a dude. Yeah. Well, no, well, Mohurst was – this was the year he broke out. It was his third year. So, I mean, keep, Chris Jenkins – But he flashed in ways that – He did. And then Jen- Jenkins came in at 250 pounds, though. So, like – Yeah, he was 239 pounds when he committed. <laughs> 200 because he was running track back then. But, like – that's the thing. He's finally up to two. He was two seventy two last year, mm-hmm. I think. So, you and know, still put in a decent shift as a defensive tackle. His last yeah. two games of the season against Iowa and Georgia, phenomenal grades in the UFRs. He was, and that and that was the thing. He was getting bigger as the year progressed, and I would guess that the reason why Hinton decided he was going to try the nether regions of the NFL as opposed to coming back and trying to do it again was that he was not going to start this year. I mean. Because I mean, you can't. I mean, Jenkins was it, Jenkins d- demolished Jeter's playing time late in the season, and yeah. then was eating into Hinton. Well, you know what I always say about defensive tackle: you have two starters at those spots. Yeah. Uh, so I'm extremely confident about Mozzie Smith and Chris Jenkins, but they do not have two starters at these spots. No, no. So Julius Welshoff is now an edge. Mm-hmm. We're going to cover his edge. He's 268 pounds. He's not. He's no longer on the interior. They bring in Cam Good, a transfer from, I forget. UCF. UCF. The second transfer, actually, because he transferred from Virginia Tech after his first year. And then the one guy who I'm thinking is looking like he could be a a contributor this year who I'm not nervous about is Rayshon Benny. Yeah. Because he's a guy that the program immediately started talking up as soon as he arrived, had a good shift in spring. Like, redshirt freshman. Ideally, he'd be in his third year in the program, but mm-hmm. we're not dealing with ideals here. And then past that, you're like, you have well, they're talking about a lot of true freshmen this this fall, yeah, which you, is you have three redshirt yeah. freshmen <laughs> who aren't really being talked up. I love Mason Graham. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Mason Graham is going to be a dude, true freshman defensive tackle. And then uh, Kenneth Grant, another guy who made the freaks list as a true freshman. Um, my suspect, my my suspicion is that the God's gift of football, true freshman uh, that <laughs> Harbaugh was talking about, is probably Kenneth Grant. That's the consensus. Uh-huh. And I mean, both these guys have size. Like, it's not implausible that they're able to go. Yeah, Graham in... is three seventeen, and Grant is three fifty six. Well, Grant's not going to be. Grant's going to be freshman Mozzie Smith, probably, where it's like he can take a, a snap or two, and then it's like, uh, he's this year's Jordan Whitley. <laughs> no, the no. mountain just. I don't because Whitley did not move. Whitley just yeah. sat at the, at the line of scrimmage. <laughs> I mean, Grant 
He's a, I don't know if your memory goes back this way, but freshman Gabe Watson, like where he would get in and like. He was probably 10. (laughs) (laughs) That's depressing. Get older. That must have been, what, 2000 or something when he was a true freshman? But, like, he would get in and he would look good for a couple snaps and make a mistake and then get pulled and then the coaches would be talking to him on the sidelines. I mean, that's not unuseful given the depth here. Right. I'm surprised that Graham is at 317 because just watching him play, he looks like 280 maybe. Like, he does not look enormous. No, he and he might have been playing at like 290 last year too cuz he came in and they were talking about how he like he'd hit the weight room really hard. Well, I mean, I don't know. Cuz in spring he raised 295 and that was a spring weight. So Well, I guess, I mean, I don't think I I if he's he really be. 317 right now. We're looking at like another Mike on Wayne adamantium bones player. Uh, yeah, or they could just be lying because they think he's going to play this year and they're like, nah, "Okay, let's I'm not going to lie about a guy being 317 pounds like that's a pretty specific lie. Yeah, Michigan never lies on their on their ah, rosters. It's never happened before. I don't. I don't know. We I, the consensus is we love Graham and we like we loved Graham in the spring against some backups that he was he was making those plays. Well, and his his recruiting profile is the profile of a guy who didn't move up enough. Yeah, he yep. was committed to Boise State. He started tearing it up in the in the fall. Michigan got involved and flipped him before really anyone other than USC could get. Yeah, get on their horse, and then he just crushed the best competition in the country. Mm-hmm. He crushed it, and so probably what he's like in the one hundred to two hundred range. I I don't even remember. I've got him as a as a four in stars, which is like which is three hundred, which is way too low. Yeah, and I mean I don't know if he's going to be able to do it this year, uh, but yeah, he's he's coming. And his profile is not a project. Right, I mean, Michigan's no. taken a number of projects, the Welshoffs and the Jenkins. The, this is a guy who is a lot closer to what he's going to be. And the scouting report wasn't like, you know, this guy's got a ton of potential. It was like, this guy is here right now. He is a problem. He uses his hands really well. That was another spring comment about him. So, I mean, we were all looking for Graham to be a, you know, at least a Rob Brenes-level player <laughs> in a few years. Now you're talking about guys who weren't even born no, no, he wasn't, he wasn't even, born. even born. This is what we do. <laughs> I gotta throw out. The, I have these names in my head, Brian. I've got to do something with uh, them. All right, That's so why I got this in the first so we've place. talked about the freshman. There's one more guy who hex has a recruiting profile who could be useful in year two, and that's George Rooks. Uh huh. Ryan Van Bergen. So, I mean, he's he might be. That's the a strong third. side end. So I mean they they do have a three tackle look mm-hmm. and they did use it last year. I kind of think that Mike Morris is going to slide down and be that third tackle. If it's a tackle, who's doing that? It's probably Rooks. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Mike Morris is uh, Mike Morris is a guy who can fill in, particularly on passing downs. Mm-hmm. Uh, on to defensive ends, where the stupidest, worst offseason quote of all time has been issued by one Jim Harbaugh, who said they. There won't be much drop off, and they might even be as good. That's the, <laughs> that's the worst lie, off season lie of all time. Worse than like Johnny Sears is really killing it. <laughs> Boy, are we pulling him out right now? How old were you when that happened? <laughs> so, Alex, do you remember Johnny Sears? I don't know the name. Johnny I'll, 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 I'll give you fifty bucks right now if you can name the guy starting opposite Johnny Sears. <laughs> Chris Richards. There you go. <laughs> I was born in 1999, so I 
is this before this, or after I was born? All right. uh, it was after the St. Patrick's Day nerd massacre, I'll tell you that. You go to hell. <laughs> you son of a bitch. All right. <laughs> That's why he doesn't remember quarterback competitions. We are, we are definitely uh, off the rails here. We should return to talking about defensive end, which is going to experience... A hideous drop-off. Yeah. They have one guy that I feel fairly confident in. That's Mike Morris, who we just talked about. Um, really profiling is Chris Wormley. Um, mm-hmm. The best pass batter on the team. He is. He's amazing at that. Chris Wormley was pretty good at that as well. So anchor end, has some pass rush, mostly bull rush, can play some defensive tackle, very good run stopper, um, a guy who's able to slash through half a man and, and press a gap. Mm-hmm. Not going to go around the outside. Not going to dip his shoulder. Especially because he's 292 now. Right. So going to be essentially a two-point – they're going to be playing 2.5 defensive tackles. Mm -hmm. But Chris Romley was a good player. He was like a third or fourth-round NFL draft pick, stuck there for a while. I think he's still in the league. And he he was best with the Ravens in this exact same role. Right. So I think it's pretty reasonable to project that he has his role and he performs it B plus, mm-hmm. maybe even A minus level. And the one thing that we did mention about Morris is intelligence. He's a guy who made some plays last year where he picked out exactly what the offense was doing. Uh, the one that really comes to mind is that Nebraska play on the mm-hmm. fourth down, where like he saw exactly why some guy was moving across the formation, picked out exactly what they're going to do, hung on the side of his tight end until it was time to burst out, and then popped the guy who'd come across, and that just erased the entire blocking scheme. Right, and then Hawkins came up for a free hit. Right, yeah, right, and that's what and Morris did that most of the time when he was in there. The one thing that he would not mess up is, I mean. They they could not run zone on him because he just he knows knows exactly where it's going. So that's the one guy. It's the guy. <laughs> and then even if he's a B plus A minus player, I got to point out that's a huge drop off from A plus 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 Heisman finalist. <laughs> it's a little different. Ah uh, yeah. <laughs> and then the weak side open end is like I I don't know. We've seen. Taylor Upshaw get a significant amount. Of, no, he's gotten some time in which he's looked like. Just a guy. Yeah. You have Braden McGregor, who people wanted to be Aiden Hutchinson 2.0, had that nasty injury, has not been talked enough, talked about enough to project as a guy who's going to be blowing up in year two, no, he's year the guy, three. Yeah, he's the guy that all that Michigan fans really want to see it. And but it, it's close to year two for him because he true. had the injury yeah. Yeah. and it was also the COVID year. So that's true. Just toss that out. You have Jalen Harrell, who is brought in to sort of be an Uche type and has not flashed any sort of pass rush in that vein. No, he's a very good run stopper. He, like very uh very underrated as like the other parts of his job. Well that's completely useless in the context of this defense. <laughs> but <laughs> oh no, I mean he's because you're you I mean it's, 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 it's fine. You do have to not get kicked out it's and fine. when you're playing at two hundred under two hundred and fifty pounds as a defensive end, it's hard not to get kicked out. You have to read that guy coming across a lot faster than somebody else. And Harold can do that. The problem is every time he pass rushes he just gets stuck. And he's not like a Mike Morris where if he gets stuck on the tackle, you can just push him into the quarterback's lap. He's just stuck. And that's a major problem because you need that position. They're setting you up. You're like in a wide seven or a wide nine. You are set up for a pass rush. If you can't make that pay off as pressure, 
and you're not at least like pushing the tackle into the guy, that's a problem. Yeah, and then you've got and you've got Gabe Newberg who is just kind of he's a, gone. No, he's gone. Oh, he's gone. Medically retired. Oh, all right. Well, keep cutting that. And then you got TJ Guy who we all want to say TJ Guy has become a dude, but <laughs> like it is painful to me that I have not been able to say that yet. Got a little bit of time last year. Seemed like a guy. <laughs> he, sh- he showed up in football bits uh, recently. So as, just being talked about as a guy who's going to be in the mix. Yeah, there's there's too many guys in the mix, you know? Yeah. Yeah, he is someone who's kind of always around. Like in the spring game, he got a lot of run. Um, he uh, He's... I don't know, in all the photos, I don't know if this is, like, the weirdest metric ever, but, like, anytime the program is on a trip around the state of Michigan or they're, they have a camp or whatever, TJ Guy's always there. He's Maybe he's, he's just photogenic. He's, he's, Maybe. He's, he's there. He's very present. He's a guy the coaches – God, there it is. The coaches really like him. And okay. if there's a potential for somebody to pass Jalen Harrell as that – Outside linebacker slash defensive end that they really want. He's someone who when you when you when you might... say they really like him, I just think about Devin Gill, <laughs> who is like should not have been playing as much as he was. He was should not have been splitting time with Devin Bush. Well, it wasn't Devin Bush. It oh, was wait. Josh Ross. Josh Ross. That's right. Right. Um, and then the Keshawn Bennett, who's a redshirt freshman. He's he was always I haven't, a haven't heard anything. About no, him. haven't yeah. heard anything about yeah. him. And then Derek Moore. I've heard good things about him. True freshman, has the look, flash in the spring game. Already 279. True freshman, highly rated recruit. He's going to be a good one. Probably should have been rated more highly than he Uh was. True freshman, true freshman, true freshman. And then the wild card, the fourth guy, the third guy from the defensive line to make the freaks list, Julius Welshoff, has gone from practicing, working out under overpasses, to lifting things that you're not allowed to lift and has slimmed down to 268 pounds. Played a significant amount last year as a defensive tackle. Didn't do a whole lot. I mean, he was he's crafty. He was he was okay. He was yeah. solid. He would I mean, he would get pushed down 2 yards and you're like, "Oh no, he's dead." Then he'd spit off the guy and like make some sort of shoestring tackle and you're like, "All right, that was close to being a really bad thing and that ended up being a good thing." But yeah, you you take twenty pounds off that guy, you move him outside. That's a trait that Stetson Bennett completely ran around him. Like maybe taking twenty pounds off him, but it was very clear that Stetson he was... Bennett's got some giddy up. He can run, yeah. <laughs> it was very clear that it was like, okay, here's our defensive tackle trying to you know stop your guy. And so it, was... it is it is a little bit of a desperation move to be like, okay, Welshoff, take off twenty pounds. We're going to make you a defensive end. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, they're really at sea here. If there was ever a guy who could get a lot better in this deep into his career, it would be Julius Welshoff, given from how far he was coming. Yeah, but I just – I can't see this coming out in a way that makes anybody happy. Yeah, and learning a new position, too, after he's been – I just mean the like, whole <laughs> – I don't even mean Julius Welshoff. I mean every I don't know, the, defensive end that's not named Mike Morris. The obvious way it happens that everyone's happy is that they've just been keeping Braden McGregor a secret this whole time. and That's not happening. They kind of kept David Ojabo a secret no, last year. They that did a terrible true. job of that. <laughs> they did such that a, is there not was, true. There was job. not the, the crazy buzz on Ojabo. No, there, but like – they, the, it wasn't coming from the program, but anyone who went out and saw it was like, 
whoo, this guy yeah. can get under. So my theory here, well, two things. Number one, to me, Taylor Upshaw is kind of the Mendoza line of this group of, like, if you're going to actually be decent. Because he's been passed so many times that when you become a decent player, then you pass Taylor Upshaw. So if he's getting a lot of work, <laughs> probably a bad sign. If someone passes, it might be decent. Secondly, um, you know, I think that one of the questions here, because we've heard the not great practice reports at times about the defensive line. But I was looking through my notes from last year, and that was kind of said last year, too. And it ended up not being as true. And I wonder if the perception from the coaches of this group is skewed by the fact they're playing the literal best offensive line in the country in practice. Ah, uh, but the tackles are like the pass protection of the tackles is it, 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 the it, one like kind of like I'm not sure about this. Yeah, and plus, I mean, they were starting Taylor Upshaw at that point, so that just might be them talking about Taylor Upshaw. <laughs> I mean, so Jabo was was raw, right? And he had to come along. And he it took him three to his his third year in the program. He blew up. Right? Yeah, and it yep. was like halfway through the year, the third year in the program. Yeah, and they still wouldn't use him in a lot of situations because, like, he, you know, you didn't have um, certain. Pa- he didn't have like the outside linebacker stuff down. They would just throw in Jalen Harrell, and Jalen Harrell actually got a majority of snaps in the last two games over Ojabo. And I mean, that's a questionable decision. But it also was like a well, in the Iowa game. It was just like it's garbage time. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, what it was was that when they put in multiple tight ends, they didn't want a Jabo in for that situation. They wanted Harold because they wanted to match with a like the five two or the three four or look or whatever. Um, and Michigan, you know, they want to do that, and they that might be something that they just want to be as their base this year. It's just they don't have the Ojabo on pass downs to just. You're, I mean, you're just, done. There's no uh, way to block this guy. I don't see how – the best case scenario here is that, like, the weak side is a replacement-level player, right? Yeah. Like, and in fairness to the program, this happened because David Ojabo zoomed to the yes, stars, right? Yeah. No, no one last summer was thinking they were, you know, not going to have Ojabo on this depth chart. <clears throat> sure. I mean, and, you know, Upshaw was – he doesn't make mistakes. So, like, you're – Okay, like you're not. That's not what I want to hear about the weak side end. I want to hear that he's eating people's souls. You don't have any soul eaters. I, that's what I'm saying. No, but you, what you can do people is people are going to leave Michigan Stadium and still in full possession of their souls. No, but if the guy can can man that can come in through the B gap and you're and take the tackle with him, their blitzes might be able to make up for it, and that's what we're hoping for, right? I don't know. Like we just want that guy to be someone who keeps pushing, no, right? No, what I want. Is I want 17 sacks and like rips a guy's arm off and then eats it on the field. That's what I want. And we had that. It was beautiful. It was beautiful. How, how nice would it be if we had Josh Uche right now? Ugh. We tried that and then Jalen Harrell was not Josh Uche. No. That's what they should do is they should hire Don Brown just to tip him off about weird guys. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> like, hey, I found someone in. Rhode Island for you. <laughs> they they kind of recruit those guys. They've been doing a lot of like tweeners. Uh, it's just I'm not sure they're all hit. Like you know they got Tyler McLaurin and Micah Pilot on this roster, and those guys are like that. But oh yeah, yeah. we should mention them. <laughs> They've been mentioned. They've been, been mentioned. mentioned. <laughs> uh, all right, we're gonna take a break. Come back and talk about the linebackers. 
Want the perfect game day outfit? Underground Printing has unique, great-fitting U of M apparel and officially licensed apparel from legendary Michigan names like Woodson, Howard, Eufer, and more. UGP also specializes in custom printed apparel and promotional items for groups, events, and businesses. Whether you need one shirt as a gift or 1,000 shirts for a charity walk, Underground can customize almost anything for groups large or small. To learn more, visit Underground Printing in one of our three convenient locations around Ann Arbor or online at undergroundshirts.com. It's painless. It's online. It's group ordering made easy for your next custom-printed apparel order. Pogo from Underground Printing will save you time and hassle, whether you're selling shirts for a fundraiser, organizing a large event, or trying to collect sizes and payment for a family reunion, UGP is here to help. Save time and hassle every step of the way with our easy-to-use site. No more guessing what to order, chasing down people to pay, or wasting time trying to sort out the order. We'll set it up, and you can just sit back and relax. We can even take care of individual shipping. To learn more about Pogo, visit us at any of our convenient locations or at pogo.undergroundshirts.com. At Peak Wealth, we believe we can help you retire with confidence. It's Nick Hopwood, Certified Financial Planner from Peak Wealth Management in Plymouth. I graduated from Michigan in 2001 with an econ degree and founded Peak Wealth Management in 2014. And now we have over $240 million of assets under management. As a freshman in 97, winning the national championship in football and hockey didn't get any better than that. Both my wife and I lived in Bursley that year, and it's crazy because we never actually met while living in the same dorm. Probably because she had a car and I had to ride the bus. But we named our dog Bursley. Bursley anyway, and he's on the payroll here at Peak Wealth Management. At Peak, we're fee-based. We're your fiduciary, which means everything we recommend is always in your best interest. We partner with leading institutional money managers, focus on low fees, and make sure every client has a financial plan covering retirement, college, tax, estate, insurance, and cash flow. Simply put, we are Peak Wealth Management, your comprehensive financial coach. Book your second opinion at peakwm.com slash mgoblog. Peak Wealth Management. Retire with confidence. It can be a rough ride along the information superhighway. That's why we build our e-commerce websites tough enough to handle the load. With the capacity to take hundreds of simultaneous online transactions and the stability of load-balanced, co-located server architectures, a website from Human Element performs in the roughest conditions. Thousands of products? No problem. We'll throw in the tools to manage them with precision and efficiency, all with a design slick enough to make you think your girlfriend might be impressed. So load it up and hit the gas and let Human Element show you the way. Special offers available for return last season. Financing available with approved credit to qualified buyers. Client participation may affect savings. Optional equipment available at additional cost. See human-element.com for details. I'm not trying to kill turtles without my hair strings colors. I'm just trying to do rap songs and be down with my brothers. Hey, maybe a few others too. We can get a pay-per-view. We can watch boxing all the time or join the ground crew. Or the crew that takes ice to the warm courts. Make athletes take off skates, put on mesh shorts. That sounds like a dandy. Watch the flick, organized crime. I like the Wesley Snipes and Ving Rhames for the prison time belt. Make a soda mine, pass it to a friend of mine. Maureen made catch Tory season with a spring of time. Hot dog for lunch. Hot dog for dinner. Don't eat breakfast. I am no beginner, no. Hot dog for lunch. Hot dog for dinner. Don't eat breakfast. I am no <laughs> Alex, we're recording all of these at the same time. So I have to do this voice over and over again. Randy and Jason, I need takes from you that are hotter than whatever's going on in my capillaries in my face right now. 
<laughs> oh Jesus! Still another one to go. To. I know. Seth, give me your honest take. Popping something. I got to make up for last one. So Michigan should run the Don Brown defense. <laughs> God. <laughs> oh, come on. What? Get out of here. Get out of here. You've got two good defensive tackles who can penetrate. And, maybe. Okay, maybe. Chris Jenkins looks pretty good in my charting. You've got an anchor. Mike Morris is not an outside linebacker. He's no. an, he is an anchor. Yeah. Okay. You uh, have much better man-to-man cornerbacks. You're not running Vincent Gray out there anymore. You're going to Will Johnson. Jamon Green is not really a uh, zone guy, and like he had like a hard time picking up all like the switch kind of stuff. But he's always been a pretty decent man-to-man cornerback. At least he's there enough that you don't want to throw it at him and all right. and see if this is the time. So like, and then I mean, and you have. DJ Turner, who can shut down the other side. You have, and then Michael Barrett. I'm going to ask you one question. Is a good Viper. You want Michigan to run nonstop man-to-man cover Not against one Ohio against State. Against Jackson. Not against Ohio State. Not <laughs> against Ohio State. No. Not against Ohio State. But so the whole season is preparing to play Ohio State. No, you just have. You, right. you spend half but, of your. You run. Cover one all season, <laughs> and in practice, you're running all this other stuff for half the time. You're right that that you did make up for your previous hot. <laughs> <laughs> but they have Very the personnel good. for a cover Very one hot. defense right now. Right. Alex, give me your hottest take. Julius Welshoff will be Michigan's best pass oh rusher. My God. Oh my God, I'm drinking the juice. <laughs> you're, you're <laughs> Uh, uh, he was in the Freaks article. He was in the Freaks article. Yeah. He's been in the program a long time. This is his breakout. He's, they, he's they like need, 26 at this point. They need athleticism. He can still do the moguls, he's, too. Uh, Alex. Yeah. Alex, come on, man. That's like saying America's, America's favorite fast food item is Spetzel. It's, just, <laughs> it's not going to happen, man. But I love your – it's hot. That's a hot, hot take. It's a hot take. You could go with Derek Moore on that one, too. Uh, for the same, freshman, the same reason. Know, yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Randy, give me your hottest take. Kenneth Grant is the new Mohurst. Wow. Kenneth yeah. Grant. Kenneth Grant is like two yeah. Mohursts. Kenneth, Kenneth Grant is going to be awesome. I actually think Grant and Graham, there would be the new, like, if we could go back to those old poster NFL posters they made in the 80s where everyone's so sweaty. There's lasers. They'd be like two sweaty guys in three-piece suits. Yeah, three-piece suits without sleeves. And they'd be like the law firm of Grant and Graham. You know what I mean? But I think these guys are going to be like the two best defensive linemen, and you will not be able to keep Kenneth Grant off the field. Wow, because yeah. I mean, my my Even with everybody we have, my like yeah. freshman defensive tackle breakout guy is Mason Graham. Uh huh. Um, and Grant Grant was also in the Freaks article, so I think you guys are yeah putting some. But some... I mean, you can't call him Mo Hurst because the guy is like three hundred sixty pounds. Like he's he's like uh, who is that guy? Uh, has, uh, Hank Jonathan Hankins. Hankins? Hank- you mean Gabe Watson? Well, Gabe Watson is another example. Gabe there was Watson. A, there was a guy that Michigan Bruce. didn't want under Rich Rod because he was too heavy. Oh. And he went to Ohio State right. and just wrecked it. Oh, yeah. Boy, that was a so. I mean, I just, yeah. I just think he's he runs a sub 540, and he's that big. He's just going to be a problem. I, I mean, 
It's just hard when for think defensive about, tackles wait, to play as true freshmen. I agree, but I just think this kid is like he's going to be really hard to keep off the field. It's a hot take. I would love to see it happen, but I mean, again, if he's pushing for playing time, you just can't. We're going to stop the run like nobody's business this year. The question is going to be in the secondary, but or really the linebackers covering. But I, I just love this kid so much. So I'm in my, I'm hoping and hoping that you can't keep him off the field. Jason, give me your hottest take. Michigan's best defender will be. An offensive player, Darius Clemens. He's Nico Collins 2.0. <laughs> that is an insanely hot take. It's like so. Wait, <laughs> I don't. I'm not, I'm not. I'm failing to understand why he's the defensive player. Well, he uh, he told us uh, before we started this that he had two offensive hot takes, and so oh, okay. he's shoehorning it in. Like like you should. You gotta shoehorn it in there. <laughs> so it's yeah. But listen to me. I do think that Michigan is going to win games this year. Like. Like, they might beat Maryland, like, 51 to 47. Like, I really do think there's, like, a possibility that we will win some insane games with offense at the end of the game, unlike last year. So I do think this is a defensive take, essentially, that the offense is going to save our defense at least a few times. All right. That's why. All right, here's mine. There will be no sack drop-off from last year. (laughs) That's a... Didn't we have less sacks last year than years past? I'm looking at you, Alex. That's that's the cheat. Because <laughs> Michigan's overall number of sacks last year did not explode like you might think. Now, they got to do all of that by rushing four guys most of the time. So yeah, I think right. to maintain the level they have last year, you're going to have to take a lot more risks on the back end. But they're going to. Well, Taylor Upshaw rushing and Aiden Hutchinson getting tackled pretty much ends up the same effect, right? <laughs> no, it does not. Because uh, Aiden Hutchinson is scaring the hell out of those right, quarterbacks. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I, I do think that, as uh, I believe Randy mentioned, that Michigan should have a couple guys on the interior who can get after the quarterback that they weren't able to do very much last year, or didn't even have to. They were just they just needed to contain the pocket. Mm-hmm. So I think you know, you're going to see Jenkins come through and be more of a threat. I think you're going to see Colson kind of emerge into a Devin Bush kind of blitzer. Now, he's not going to be Devin yep. Bush, but I think he has that ability. I mean, he, he can be Josh Smith Ross. As a, as a so blitzer. He, was a very, he was an excellent blitzer. And they just didn't get to use him that way because they needed him playing linebacker. So, yeah, I think they'll be able to piece it together. And as a team, you know, they'll get to the quarterback about as much in terms of raw stats. But overall pressures will go down, and they'll have to send a lot more guys. But I think... I mean, do you guys think that if the if the pocket collapses because you're getting pressure up the front, the edge rushers don't have to get to the quarterback as much in that the quarterback will be flushed towards them? Yeah, I mean, I, I do think that's a thing that happens, and that's what Chris Wormley was good at when he's here, and I think mm-hmm. Mike Morris is Chris Wormley 2.0. It's exactly yes, yeah. how the Ravens' yeah. defense is built, right? The, the whole yes, idea like, is that just you're, you're on a timer because all those guys are so heavy. There's no way five offensive linemen can stop that much weight coming at you, right? Yeah, but they they still have a weak side end who's like getting after. Yeah, them. Matt Judon can can get can right. can get after guys, but you know Morris was actually the next best pass rusher on the team after the dudes. Now there was a big drop off. <laughs> I mean, that's <laughs> someone's got to be there. Someone's there, yeah, right? Someone was going to be there, um, and not including the linebackers. But Colson <clears throat> and Barrett and and. To a lesser degree, Hill Green are all really good blitzers. Yeah, and they especially Colson. Like if they didn't need need him to play middle linebacker all the time, he would be an excellent kind of like guy who can 
do both. And, you know, we've seen how Penn State used Micah Parsons in that role. Oh, yeah, come on. That's right. <laughs> he's got that kind of athleticism. Oh, got, no, no, I'm not saying no. he's Micah Parsons. Right, you I'm already saying, had a hot take. That's too many hot takes. <laughs> I'm saying that role. In that role, he's got the athleticism to be that like kind of like terrifying edge blitzer who could also step back and play linebacker. But they don't really have the guys to do that because they need someone to play linebacker. All right, if you can't get enough Sklars, check out the Nosebleeds, the reincarnation of Cheap Seats focused on UFC. It'll be on UFC 1. We're embedding the first episode on all the podcast posts, so please check it out. It will be worth your time. So the linebackers are... I'd say pretty much in the same situation as the defensive tackles. You got two guys coming on, you feel pretty good about them, and then you look at the depth and you're like, ugh. <laughs> this is the position group that was hurt the most by the elimination of the Viper spot. Because you had a lot of guys that were in the program and then got drummed out when you get rid of that spot, right? Those, Or they just, I mean, Barrett's still around, but he doesn't have... Well, sure, I was talking about the Anthony Solomons and... Yeah. I mean, they also like lost the guys who lost guys who are whiffs, like who've transferred out and haven't yeah. started anywhere else, um, or just got passed by Nikai Hill Green and said, eh, "I'm not going to play. I might as well go." But yeah, I mean, the attrition here has been the severe. Uh, the Osman yeah. Savages and the Cornell Wheelers and yeah, yeah, I, and and that's the thing that they uh, they were weak in recruiting this position, and then that's kind of continued since the staff flip around. Well, so they they were. Weak in recruiting this position, except for the fact that they brought in Junior Colson. Junior Colson. <laughs> right. <laughs> and then so you, you kind of have like this iffy recruiting, and then you recruit this guy who's like, yep, this guy. And then everybody else is a year older than them, like, Ferk, and they got a transfer. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it's a combination of circumstances that, you know, along with Mozzie Smith, Colson, and Hill Green are two of the most important players on the team because they both project as guys who should be good to very good depending mm-hmm. on how how their brain functions better than it did last year and i don't want to see any of their backups ever <laughs> no no i mean we should start with junior colson because he's got to take a big leap this year too right he came out really bad in my grading and i know linebackers hard and linebacker in a mike mcdonald defense was especially hard because the whole idea was look the linebackers have to make it right when the defensive lineman Line, the defensive line gets to choose their spots, and then the linebacker has to make it right. And for a while, I think the system was Josh Ross has to like make the, the one linebacker just has like a gap, and that's what you do. And then Josh Ross had to like fix everybody's problems. Now you don't have Josh Ross. Colson and uh, Nikai Hill Green are going to have to make those decisions on their own. And Colson, Sam Webb keeps on using this line from the coaches that he runs really fast. Sometimes in the right direction. Sometimes in the right direction. And this is a true – I mean, Devin Bush was a bit player as a true freshman. Right. And I don't think he's going to be Devin Bush and, like, he's a retro freshman. Oh, he's the best linebacker of the country instantly. Mm-hmm. But if there's any position other than quarterback where I'm giving people a relative pass for not being up to it mentally in year one, it's linebacker. Yeah. I mean, you, you mentioned this before, but, like, you know, defensive tackles suck at fr- as freshmen. Wide receivers suck as freshmen. At least they're on the field. Linebackers, you don't even let the guy on the field when he's a freshman because, like, their mess-ups are touchdowns or at least, you know, 20, 40-yard gains. So you got two guys coming back who should improve a great deal, but you never know. Like, some guys just never put it together mentally. There's always the Jonas Mutons of the world. I'm not saying either of these guys are that, but, no. like, the the... the 
the variance here is huge. Yes. Yeah, and it's mostly with Colson because, you know, I'm I'm not asking Devin Bush right there. I'm asking for Cam McGrone. And, Ugh. like, that's because he's got the speed. He can cover. He is absolutely an athlete. And remember, this guy's a Haitian immigrant who uh, moved here, I guess, uh, as a teen, as a young teen, and, like, had never played football up to that point. And he's, you know, he played for a pretty big program in Tennessee, but, like, that was still very simple stuff. And linebacker, especially in this system, is hard. Everything they're going to put on him this year it's a lot, and if he can do it, maybe he takes that big sophomore leap, and that could really change things around. Because the dirty little secret of last year's defense is Josh Ross wasn't very good either. Well, he had a lot on his plate. He did. Well, that's true. Context matters, but he also was he was not good in coverage, and he would suck up on play action a lot. I mean, he was never going to be good. That's just that's why yeah. he wasn't drafted, right? It's just right. like he's not that yeah. guy. Uh, he was right, drafted. So, he was drafted by the Ravens. Oh, that's right. Uh, <laughs> anyway, so let's say something bad happens to one of the two linebackers. Who's next up? Old faithful Michael Barrett. Uh-huh. Uh huh. But Barrett's not an inside linebacker. No, he's not. He's not. And every time they tried to use him as one, he, it, you could tell he's not an inside. Line- and he's not even like one of those inside linebackers who can make it work at two twenty. He's well, a, he's a viper. So the. Last year's defense had Dax Hill essentially playing Viper-ish. Mm-hmm. Dax Hill is gone. You have your four guys in the front. You have your two inside linebackers. What is that spot? Who is in that spot? I mean, I want it to be Barrett. I want I, Barrett was very good last year in the Viper role, and like, and I I know that that role doesn't technically exist anymore. But when they went against Penn State, when they went against Indiana, those are teams that need the quarterback running game in order to, to, to move their offense, he shut them down. Be- and, and that's what the Viper was there for. That's why everyone has hybrids, because that quarterback running game can't function if their read is always wrong, and a Viper makes that read, you know, th- what are you going to do? The guy shows up the second you get to the line of scrimmage. Okay, so that stipulated. Yeah. You have the two starting linebackers, and you have a guy who's probably going to be a starter-ish player on the outside, you can't tell me that he's the top backup on the inside. No, that's a problem, isn't it? Yes. And it's another problem when you learn that, like, they were in the transfer portal looking for guys and couldn't find anybody. Um, so, that, I mean, we've talked about Mullings on offense, and the reason that he's at linebacker, I think, still is because... That's all the... Yeah. 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 And that's, like... I mean, I, I just watched him on a couple of snaps, and he just didn't react. Like he just stood there, he, he didn't didn't have the speed of thought to to play, and this is like his third year in the program, so it's like I don't see that's happening. Yeah, and it's not like we're it, not knocking a guy to say he can't play linebacker. It's hard. No, yeah, like, yeah. Historically, like if a defensive end is like plus six, I'm like that's an average game. If a linebacker is at zero, I'm like good job, buddy. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and then Devin Bush comes along, and I'm like I. I don't know how to do this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I, the reason why he was a why Michigan wanted him at linebacker is because Don Brown's defense tried to mitigate that and tried to make those reads well, no, a lot I mean, easier like, for linebackers. It makes total sense why you want him at linebacker. He's two hundred and thirty-five pounds. He can mm-hmm. move like he moves. Mm-hmm. Like if he can process the information fast enough, he's yeah, he's an NFL player. It doesn't seem like that's happening, and so you got. Jaden Hood, you got 
Jaden Hood of is still so Joey Jay- Velasquez. Velasquez. Have you seen that man's biceps? I I, I don't I, I don't I don't know I don't know, man. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty good outfielder. I knew you would find a way to bring baseball into the summer. <laughs> I, I was just like waiting for like Alex Brain is going to bring it to bring baseball to our our podcast. Jaden Hood does still have some runway. He was a true freshman last year. He really was uh, – his high school career does not demonstrate what he can do because moved to Aquinas, they put him in a new system, and then, like, he had one bad game, and they sat him for a while, and everyone was like, okay, give up on this dude. Now, he was another Don Brown linebacker recruit who's in there to, like, you know, be a doom squirrel, and that ne- doesn't necessarily translate. But, I mean, they're still they're might, talking about him a little bit. It might translate – on this defense. Yeah. So let's say Mozzie Smith needs that double every time. Mm-hmm. Let's say Mike Morris is also a guy who you can't really block with one tight end. Like this is the shape of a defensive line that can keep those linebackers clean and make that really fast guy who just has to clean up whenever someone pops through the line and doesn't have to take on blocks. That could happen. Yeah. And you know what? The speed, and Hood, Hood certainly has that. The speed can make up for that. I mean, the speed of thought is a huge deal at linebacker, yeah. but you can back away a little bit on that if you have speed of foot. Because, like, just getting there or being able to dodge a lineman if he's in your face uh, mitigates what the offense gets from being at the spot before you are. I still think it's better to be at the spot first, but you know, it's, <laughs> yeah. we're, 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 we're stretching now, right? We're not there. So I just don't. Like I think there's a there's a big difference on how long the offense podcast is and how long this podcast is. Yeah. Because on the offense podcast, it's like, all right, we got to talk about 36 different receivers <laughs> <laughs> and four running backs and two quarterbacks. And here it's like, okay, there's two linebackers and oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> right. And the the freshmen they brought in, neither one of them are the type that can really contribute. Early, I mean, unless they're just but savants, but Jimmy Rolder will be a good one down the road. I yeah. like him a lot. Yeah, I, I like him a lot too. But I think that he, you know, he was a late riser because yeah. he was a late shifter to linebacker. So it's like, okay, this guy has not been doing the job very long, hasn't seen many things. And Deuce Spurlock, same same story. It's just he moved down from safety. Yeah, he's he a project. Grew, yeah, he grew to he grew to two hundred thirty pounds. He supposedly still moves like a safety, but you have to teach linebacker to him. Right. So it, there's no like, there's no like guy behind the curtain, right? It's like yeah. the two starters, and they got to be good, and otherwise it's trouble. Yeah, I mean, again, the only op- the option here is to Ravens it a bit and play with one linebacker because that's something that they do. <laughs> they, you and know what they use... they did that against Michigan State last year. Was that a good idea? No. <laughs> <laughs> no. Did they do it after Michigan State? No. But if you're if that if the guy on the edge is Jalen Harrell and he can actually play some linebacker, you can uh, you can this, put that into this, the mix a this little bit. Sounds frankly terrible. Yeah, I do want to mention because we kind of moved right past him and kind of fold him into the Colson thing. Hill Green is better pro, uh, better player than people give him credit for. He had some big noticeable mistakes early in the season, and those went away later in the season. By the end of the season, he was grading out better than Josh Ross in everything. Okay. Um, you know, not Ross's level as a blitzer. Everything else, though, I trust him out there. I trust Hill Green more than I trust Colson. That was an eyebrow raise. It was. A very <laughs> visual podcast. That, w- that wasn't that, – if you couldn't tell on the podcast, that's what that – that's what Brian just gave me. All right. All right. We're going to take a break, come back, and talk about a less terrifying secondary than recent vintage. 
Hey, it's Nick Hopwood, founder and president at Peak Wealth Management. We have a lot in common. We both went to Michigan. We're both huge fans, but I'm concerned about how much time you're spending on Michigan football recruiting. This could be time spent with me pouring over your cash flow and Roth conversion strategy. How are these Roth conversions going to get done with you spending all your time and energy on MGO blog looking at the next five-star recruits? Hey, all kidding aside, if you're addicted to MGO blog and you want to outsource some of your financial planning to an expert, consider us, peakwm.com slash blog. At Peak, we work with people in a variety of situations. Some of our clients are young professionals looking to optimize their savings and investments. For young people, time is the key. Some of our clients are super affluent trying to figure out when they can retire. Some are high net worth retirees looking for a second opinion on how their money's working for them. Get your second opinion at peakwm.com slash mgoblog. Peak Wealth Management. Retire with confidence. If you find yourself on the wrong side of the law, you want a Michigan man in the huddle. Call criminal law attorney and former prosecutor Jonathan Paul at 248-924-9458 or visit his website at michiganlawgrad.com. Jonathan is a proud graduate of the Ross School of Business and Michigan Law School and looks forward to showing you the Michigan difference. Want the perfect game day outfit? Underground Printing has unique, great-fitting U of M apparel and officially licensed apparel from legendary Michigan names like Woodson, Howard, Eufer, and more. UGP also specializes in custom printed apparel and promotional items for groups, events, and businesses. Whether you need one shirt as a gift or 1,000 shirts for a charity walk, Underground can customize almost anything for groups large or small. To learn more, visit Underground Printing in one of our three convenient locations around Ann Arbor or online at undergroundshirts.com. Here's the thing people say. Seth, tell me about your insurance. I'm actually glad you asked me about that because I just changed my insurance and I'm really happy I did. Let me guess. You use Phil Klein and Owen Rosen of the Phil Klein Insurance Group. They are MGO blog readers and they don't advertise during football games. And they've got a five-star rating on anything you would care to see. Call Owen at 248-682-7445 or visit them online at philkleininsurance.com. Recording at Prentice 4M. As mentioned, venue in the old Lucky Space opens August 26th. They've got all kinds of different things going on there. They're going to have Teslas in the parking lot. I, I that you never, can rent. I've never driven a Tesla. Have that you? seems like a terrible idea because they go to z- like they're zero to sixty in like two seconds. I'm definitely. I mean, are you allowed to crash them? Probably not. Probably not. Probably not. Probably but not. maybe. But probably not. I, I don't I don't get why there's like a whole computer in the middle. Like there, there seems like a massive screen in the middle of a Tesla. Well, I'm gonna try this out because I'm gonna borrow one from Fredis 4M. So you can almost <laughs> buy Twitter and then try to back out of the deal. <laughs> <laughs> Venue opens August 26th. All right, so quite a turnaround in the secondary here. Uh, we went into last year being like, oh oh god, oh no, oh god. Um, 
And they got decent play out of Vincent Gray, who left for the NFL-type environs. And then DJ Turner emerged into a dude. Whew. Like, um, uh, yeah, like Jordan Lewis level grading is what he was coming out as. Well, and so that's your grading. Yeah. And Pro Football Focus has him as a third-team All-American going into this year. And uh, those are the only two outlets that are giving him the proper respect. I mean, he's not showing up on a number of those All-Big Ten lists at other publications. And I'm like, guys weren't watching him. Well, he shows up in, like, the, the random coach quote Yeah, I mean, he, he's too. awesome. Well, yeah. he didn't, but he didn't even, like, start consistently Mm-mm. until, like, midway through the year. No, and that was because his run defense was awful. Wow. I, and he was not replacing on the crack, replace things. And, like, that, I think, was the, probably the reason he wasn't on the field. Um, and he was also injured earlier in his career. So there's, like, reasons why he was hidden, right? Like, when you ask – the big question with any cornerback who was on the roster in 2020 is, like, well, where were you? When? <laughs> or, like, you know, like, like, how many legs do you have? Like, if the answer is two, right. we have some questions. <laughs> And so, I mean, that's a valid thing, but DJ Turner is the fourth Michigan player who made Feldman's Freaks list. Mm-hmm. And so he came in, and he was like a guy who was committed to Georgia, I believe. Or Yep. And Georgia was just kind of like, pass. Yeah. And nobody really seemed to go after him except Michigan. And often, that's a profile of a guy who just doesn't have it athletically. There's another guy on that roster who is the same thing. Yeah. In that very recruiting class. In that very recruiting class in Perry. Yeah. Who who, who did not break out. Yeah, who did not break out. Unless you count one play at the spring game. <laughs> right. And and so you you go into this and you're like, okay, he's graded well, he's graded well. Maybe he'll get exposed if he's supposed to be the dude on everybody's number one receiver. And then you see the freaks list and you're like, okay. Yeah. I mean, last year, what the, the conversation going back and forth was like, okay, what happens if they put him on John Dotson? Oh, he shut down John Dotson. Well, yeah. okay, what happens if they put him on Chris Olave? Well, he shuts down Chris Olave. Like, there's, they yeah. didn't leave anywhere for us to go other than great big star. And there was a practice a quote from Harbaugh on the Jansen podcast where he's like, uh, you know, this fall camp, when you watch the, the, the drills, DJ Turner runs stride for stride with Roman Wilson. And I was like, oh. And then the freaks <laughs> list comes out, and you're like, oh, yeah, I guess so. so. Especially at cornerback, that freaks list is a good place to be. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so I think you can look at him as an all-Big Ten player with upside there and could sneak into the first couple of days of the NFL draft. And then you have some good options next to him. Mm-hmm. So you have Jamon Green, who's played a bunch. And you know his, his performance has been variable. Yeah, like, I I would say that like he hasn't performed at a super high level, but he's always flashed from time to time. And you know, I thought he was pretty good in the spring game. Like, I think worst case scenario, he's a decent to good Big Ten corner at this point in his career. Yeah, I mean, the thing about him is he is a plus three career in our UFR grading on high volume. Which right. is like that, that's that's that that describes kind of what he what he's done, and he is not good at zone, and he got pretty abused. He he made the most mistakes in zone. That's kind of how he got passed by DJ Turner last year was well, his zone that's mistakes. Not, that's not fate, right? Like if you're telling me that a cornerback has some problems, right? I want to hear gets out of his zones and not can't run. Okay, he has one other problem. Okay, ball skills. Yeah, he's the Kind of the anti-Brandon Watson in some ways. He's, where uh, he, he's chanting. Scribbling. He's always there, but the ball goes through his hands. That's also 
I know it's it's a good the, skill to to that's, you know that's a okay. It's ninety percent of the way to where you want him to be. It's just the end of the play is always a little, you know, iffy. And he's now yeah. fifth year in the program. And my question is, can you teach him the ball skills? Yeah, if that's happening, he's to been you, coached by Zorich. He's been coached by Klingscale. I mean, like if that's happening to you when you're a true freshman, and it's like okay, th- no. that's bad luck. Once we've got three or four years of you on the field, and it's still happening, and he and he knows it too, so he like. Gets scared and like tackles the guy, and he should have had another really bad PI that they missed against Georgia. We were like, I mean, I, I'm generally in agreement with Brian here. Like, I think if he starts, it'll be fine. Yeah. It's just, do I think he can take that sort of next step? Eh, probably not <laughs> at the fifth year. I, I think a lot of teams are gonna. If you see the guy cover, you don't want to throw at him. And the guy, if he's in man on someone, it doesn't look open. If you throw it anyway, sometimes. Things happen a lot more often than they should, and I agree with Alex that it's probably a little late in his career for him to just like suddenly turn to a guy who can turn around and spot the ball. Okay, but so <laughs> if if not, that's still the floor. Yeah, at cornerback. Yeah, that's Nothing wrong with bad. that. And then mm-hmm. Will Johnson. So five star cornerback recruit, six foot two, has the agility to be a cornerback at six foot two. Historically, these guys at Michigan have started about midway through their freshman year. Yeah. So a nugget from Hill to the victors. Seth found eight corners who were six foot two or taller and ranked within twenty spots of Johnson in the composite. All started as freshmen, and all but one were excellent NCAA players. And the only one who wasn't had off the field problems. Right. So these guys, cornerback is like you see it. Right. Yeah, because, like, cornerback is not about, like, how fast you get the system. It is can you turn with a guy and keep up with him and then play the ball when it comes. Right. And he he is honestly a better receiver than most of the receivers he's going to be going against. And, I mean, you just see it. Like, with Dax Hill, right? Like, the least amount of projection you have to do when you're doing recruiting rankings is cornerback. Right. Or safety. Because it's just like, is that the dude? And if it's the dude, then it's the dude. As that that stat clearly proves. So, and there were two teams last year that have the most talent in all college football, and they both started five-star freshman corners. Alabama started Kool-Aid McKinstry, and Ohio State started Denzel Burke. So, if Michigan's starting a five-star corner, it's not like we have issues. It's this is what the best teams do too. Right. So, Jamon Green probably going to start, and then Johnson's coming for his job midseason. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It's it's the. Marlon Jackson, Charles Woodson, yeah. Donovan Warren, like every one of those guys. Well, Donovan Warren didn't have anyone to unseat. He still, <laughs> he still didn't start because I of Chris know. Richards and Johnny Sears the I second know. time we brought those guys up in this <laughs> podcast. <laughs> but, yeah, but you have a guy that's hit. Leon Hall was another one. Like, when you have a guy like that, um, even good corners – kind of get shoved aside and just have to split time with him because okay. as soon as he learns the system and doesn't uh, and, and won't get broken by you know a tight end crossing the line of scrimmage, then throw him in there. So those are three guys who all project as outside corners. We've talked about Michael Barrett as a Viper type. Mm-hmm. On passing downs, you need a nickel corner. It doesn't really seem like any of those guys are really the best fit. And then you have Mike Sainer still, who moved from wide receiver, mm-hmm. which is usually – not great. Yeah, you don't want position switch starters. But position switch contributors on third down who clearly have the athletic ability to move in short spaces that the other line, the quarterbacks might not, except for Will Johnson. Right. Um, 
So how are we feeling if he has like a real role on the defense? Fine. I mean, he's Blake Countess out there in in the nickel role, which was good, not like superstar, right? Uh, please tell me he's faster than Blake Countess. <laughs> faster than. Do Blake you remember? Do you fast. remember him in man coverage on Will? Fuller? Oh God. <laughs> You're just bringing them all out today, aren't you? I'm just like, this is supposed to be the happy podcast. You're the one who brought up Blake Countess. Like, Blake Countess. You brought up Johnny Sears. That's not fair. Blake Countess was a good college player, but Blake Countess is also, like, the guy who has been most infamously pantsed in two different conferences. This is true. (laughs) He also had to go up against Leonard Fournette. Right. Oh, that and it was like watching Leonard Fournette <laughs> kick a baby into the upper, like kick a field goal with a baby. <laughs> oh, he, he just arm barmed him and he oh, went like 20 God. yards. It was I like, yeah. I was like, well, now I know what it'd be like if I tried to tackle Leonard Fournette. <laughs> so to Singer Still's credit, he looked the part in the spring game. He had a couple nice plays. He did. And he played mm-hmm. both ways in high school. So this isn't like totally. And we're talking about new. ball awareness. Yeah. He displayed that, and that's not a huge surprise since he's a wide receiver by trade, but I was impressed with his ability to get his head around on, a, I think it was a fly route, get his hand up and, yep. and make a play on the ball. Like, if we're asking him to cover guys on two-way goes underneath, and he doesn't have, like, a whole lot of, like, I got to have something other than a spot drop zone mm-hmm. on his plate, I think it can happen. Yeah, and I mean, he showed speed in the past like it's not like this guy is a slow person and another thing to his credit you go back to like he was a cornerback and uh receiver in high school and he had a uh he was committed to virginia tech and like virginia tech normally in most positions but at nickel corner that's like yeah that's like wisconsin linebacker or running back offers right like that's when they identify a guy that they want for that position that's and this is not modern virginia tech this was back then that was still like the beamer program right and they know what those guys are and they know what they want in those positions and it's a lot of agility and what did Singer still always show when he was a slot a lot of agility so I mean athletically I think that he could play it I think that he was probably going to be ranked higher as a cornerback for the NFL than as a receiver Uh, so you know for his career this works too Uh, it's just there's a lot to pick up and there's a lot of drop from you know can Singer still do it from Dax Hill took away an entire part of people's offenses because you just cannot run this against Dax Hill. Yeah, and that that's that's another uh, perhaps underrated issue with the defense. Yeah. Uh, everybody's focused on the defensive ends, but you know, Dax Hill's yeah. kind of a big deal. All right, that's I think those four are probably the only guys who are going to get meaningful snaps. German Green did have, turn in a couple plays in the spring game. I'm just – just you're just saying. Yeah. Just, I know. I'm just, there's there's one more guy, but he's hurt right now, so it's probably back half of the season. I mean, Jaden McBurrows. Yeah, yeah. He, I just have a hard time. Like they're talking about, like hopefully we get him back this season. Yeah, yeah. He might be like DJ Turner next year. Right. But like when they talk about him, and there's a lot of inside chatter too that like they don't want to hype him up too much before people have seen him. But he is a he. Don't count him out when you're listing cornerbacks on, on Michigan's depth chart because right. he's going to be a good one. So a couple more freshmen, Josh Perry, but not really. Jalen Perry. Jaylen Perry. <laughs> I mean, Jalen Perry. That kind of says it all, doesn't there's, it? Yeah. There's, well, I he mean, was a corner, then he moved to safety, now he moved back to corner. Right. Yeah. That's pretty much 
curtains. There is there is the one moment that I like of Jalen Perry, which was from the spring game when they were like, okay, now we're going to get uh, some Darius Clemens action, right? We're going to throw a fade to him and just destroy whatever cornerback's on him. And Perry was just step for step for him and like casually knocked it down and did the airplane and walked away. It was it was a good moment for Jalen Perry, but like you've got to be a little bit better than I can knock out a true freshman in the spring game. All right. Uh, all right. At safety, redshirt freshman Brad Hawkins returns. No, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I just, thought that was pretty It's just so normal at this point that it just kind of registers. Like, like, I've got four more years of this guy. Yep. <laughs> um, no, I mean, everyone's COVID shared it. I could imagine he's got an eighth or ninth year <laughs> at this point. Brad Hawkins has, has graduated from the program. So Michigan is going to probably start R.J. Moten. And Rod Moore, Moore played a lot last year, actually started against Ohio State, which was and alarming. And did fine. It was, it was he got fine. Yes. He got Jack I mean no no, he got Jackson Smith and Jibus because everyone does, but like he did fine. That and was a fine performance. And not just for a freshman. He was already in the that's a fine safety at that point. Well, and he wasn't really on the field at all and then appeared against Penn State and was really good in that one. You know, treaded water against Ohio State as a true freshman. I mean, wow. Yeah, I mean, to me, he's like your box safety. He's not going to be getting over the top of a fade route or anything. He's going to be coming up and laying the wood to people just like old woods. Uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, he's not slow. No, no, but like he's, but like if you're characterizing Michigan safeties, R.J. Moten is the center fielder, right? R.J. Moten is the center fielder, Literally. yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he... Yeah, and and he's the guy that um, like actually got passed because Hawkins still had that strong safety role where he's over the tight ends, and then Moten was the one who was the free safety athlete who lost his job in the midseason to the freshman. The one thing with Moten is he needs to learn how to catch the ball because oh, he oh, had a thing, yeah. couple dropped interceptions against notable rivals. <laughs> <laughs> but it didn't matter against Ohio State. It didn't matter in that one. 42-27 did, on did route matter. to the Big Ten Championship. It didn't matter at a different time. Yeah, And then you have a couple of reasonable backups. So uh, the hype in this most recent football bits, Makari Page. I mean, he's a guy who played a decent amount as a freshman, long, lanky guy. Too thin as a freshman. Didn't mm-hmm. know what he was doing. Always a guy who you're like, let's put this guy on the shelf for a couple years. And this is a couple years down the road. So I don't think that's out of the question. Rod Moore was hurt in the spring. So Paige got to play up a little bit higher. And it sounds like it's carried into the fall. And they rotated a bunch of safeties last year. And you graduate two of them. And now seems like Paige is going to be in that rotation. Yeah, if I'm if I'm drawing up like a NCAA video game roster, the spot where he's kind of lower, not in the 70s, but he's like in the 80s in speed. He's not going to wow you in that category. But he's tall, rangy, mm-hmm. they use ball. I mean, they bring out all the cliches when they're talking about him. And you remember one of the reasons Michigan liked him so much, he was a not just a four-star, right? He was like a in that like top 200 range. So he's not like a, you know, just some... Uh, old Woods, right, where Michigan's like, okay, let's see if this guy can athlete. He came with the pedigree. He was also a guy who always played single high safety in a very Don Brown-style defense at West Bloomfield, and the idea was like, oh, we're going to plug and play him. And then we threw him in that Minnesota game in 2020, and he looked like a true freshman, and then he got passed by a walk-on later in the season when Hawkins was hurt. Uh, 
Yeah, no one was coaching the safeties that year. No one was coaching. So. Yeah. <laughs> so like. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. We People a, forget that. We've come a long way. Uh, <laughs> he's like zooming in. Oh, oh man. Uh, yeah, still waiting to hear from Michigan what really happened there. Anyway. And um, then you have Caden yeah. Colazar, the aforementioned walk-on, who looks plausible. Like, he returned punts very badly for abortion last year which and he's been a special team star for michigan mm-hmm. he's a guy who like in a different world he could be your wisconsin walk-on safety and that would probably go okay like it's not the end of the world if he's on the field yeah this is the guy who should have played for Bo in the 80s and then we would have taken johnny right now <laughs> like I, like his his dad the style of player he was would do really well in this uh in this era of football and caden colasar smart He's like the guy who like puts everybody in position. Yeah. He's kind of like an extra coach on the field. Wants to go into coaching, by the way. He's gonna um, probably end up on the staff eventually. Like I was secretly hoping he would come out this year on the roster as like two hundred twenty-five pounds to learn how to play linebacker. <laughs> <laughs> I know it didn't That's happen, but it was yeah. But he's. Uh, I mean, I guess uh, Jordan Glasgow did it. That Jordan Glas, and that's kind of the comparison there like he Jordan Glasgow was a safety before he was a linebacker and was decent but had that like you know the walk on speed thing and that's kind of where Colasar is uh weirdly we've been hearing positive chatter about Quinton Johnson like a guy we were all written off in in our minds long ago right yeah especially after that Penn State fake punt oh my god (laughs) Which is like, it's incredible that that's on this year's uh, tape and not, or last year's tape and not 2020's tape. Like, that feels like a piece of 2020. Well, I mean, Michigan called timeout, and they're like, all right, the fake's coming. we got to cover it. And they're yeah. like, all right, we're going to cover it. And then Quinton Johnson just, I don't know, he went on a magical, mystical journey that didn't take him anywhere near the ball. Yeah, and when that's the only time anyone's seen you on the field, that's like <clears throat> that was like, okay, end of that he's always a guy who was super fast though so that can make up for a lot of sins he had a nice spring and the rumor is that he jumped a wheel route in the scrimmage on saturday dun, dun, dun. <laughs> <laughs> that means we threw a wheel route <laughs> <laughs> all right uh and then there's a trio of extremely promising freshmen Mm-hmm. You got Keon Sab, zeke berry and uh you're super high on damani dent I I I am. I'm not certain saying that Demi Dent's going to start this year. No, no. I mean, seems likely that these guys are all going to be in for like four game redshirt seasons. I don't know. Zeke Barry could be out there pretty Unless fast this year. Someone's a viper. Well, I mean, the Peppers comparisons are going to fly very quickly, and you know he's he's going to have some things to learn. But he also played in a very high league. In California, he was playing against the same competition that Mason Graham was. He's got the tape where he has a hit on a quarterback that looked like the Dax Hill hit on Graham Mertz in Wisconsin. And, like, if you're looking at his recruiting rankings, he's got the good one. And he should have been rated higher. 24-7 is by far the highest on him. Yeah. Yeah. And the funny thing about him is that everyone who covers it, like all the recruiting guys for those sites were like, Rate this guy higher. I don't know what's going on with my site, but like, you know, EJ Howland was complaining about on three, and uh, Steve Lorenz was complaining that two four seven had him too low, and you know the even the guys at Rivals were like, we're we're new here, we're not allowed to affect the rankings. We're sorry because we think this guy's you know the bee's knees. Um, oh, he. Thank you, sir. <laughs> 
But uh, like, yeah, he but he wasn't here, and so he's only played in fall so far. Yeah, and we haven't really heard about him yet. But like, so it's if, probably gonna take a minute. If we're looking for a guy who can say by mid-season maybe occupy that Dax Hill role, right? That's him. Yeah. Yeah. If if Sainer still kind of gets pushed back to offense mid-season because that's not happening. Right. Yeah, but <laughs> what, what, what? He a is meteor still, would have to hit the wide receiver. Like, <laughs> occasionally practicing there. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, I, I, I he's still a good receiver. I mean, it's yeah. not like he's he's useless over there. It's just they have too many dudes. Um, but yeah, I mean, if someone's gonna push Sainer still out, uh, my guess would be Zeke Berry, unless you know another safety is taking that role, so Moore moves down to the nickel because mm-hmm. that's yeah. where they actually debuted him against. Uh, remember, we were all surprised in the Washington game. All of a sudden, like Daxville comes off first, and it's like now entering number nineteen, Rod Moore. Yeah, I don't think it's out of the question they move Moore down there, and then... they don't do that except for quarterbacks. <laughs> I- I couldn't hear a thing in that stadium. Well, that night anyway. well, when four people go off, it's like real, now entering this guy. Like, that doesn't happen. Real, really, what happened in that game was ah! Yeah, wow, we're in yellow and it's beautiful out. All right, all right, all right, all right. It, it's not out of the question that Moore is in the Dax role, and then Page and Moten are the safeties, just based on the hype recently. Yeah, I mean that's that's another way that could work out because I mean we talked about two linebackers, mm-hmm. and kind of gestured at Viper, and now we're talking about two safeties. Yep. And there's the 11th position on the defense that we don't really know what it is. Right. And we're, it's, it's like, it's not a Viper, but Dex Hill was a Viper. Yeah. Right? It's the same thing everywhere. And you're, I mean, I don't think the, the Viper guys got pushed out. I just think that they weren't that good. Yeah, it's just Michigan's going to get hit by a play that's designed to edge the defense. And we're going to be like, is that allowed? Are people allowed? Because, like, you, you couldn't do that on Dax Hill. That was the joke every week. Like, Okay, how did they try to edge Dax Hill this week? Right. Oh, didn't work. Didn't work. We're going to take a break, come back, talk some special teams, and overall on the defense. In southeastern Michigan, the yearly cost for a nursing home averages approximately 100000 It doesn't have to, though. Reed McCarthy founded Ann Arbor Elder Law after handling a tricky situation for his own family. Years of experience later, his boutique firm works with clients across southeast Michigan dealing with Medicaid planning, long-term care, and tax, disability, and family law, not to mention family dynamics. If you have a family member who may need that level of care, or if you're ready to start your own estate plan, Reed can give you a plan for the future. Visit AnnArborElderLaw.com or call 734-945-9693. That's 734-945-9693. It's painless. It's online. It's group ordering made easy for your next custom printed apparel order. Pogo from Underground Printing will save you time and hassle. Whether you're selling shirts for a fundraiser, organizing a large event, trying to collect sizes and payments for a family reunion, or, you know, ordering a whole bunch of shirts with your Kickstarter, Underground Printing is here to help. Save time and hassle every step of the way with their easy-to-use site. No more guessing what to order, chasing people down to pay, wasting time trying to sort out the order. They'll set it up. You can just sit back and relax. They'll even take care of individual shipping. To learn more about Pogo, visit them at any of their convenient locations or at pogo.undergroundshirts.com.
If you want to see where our post-game podcast happens, or if you need a spot to land in Ann Arbor, check out 4M, Prentice Partners' beautiful brand-new flagship property at 830 Henry Street in Lower Burns Park and across the bridge from the big house. Their 11 spacious six-bedroom, six-bath suites feature state-of-the-art digital capabilities and are laid out for comfortable, efficient collaboration. You can also rent a 4M unit for shorter stays, say if you want to come to town for a football weekend. I want to add myself that they're also taking over Lucky's. We're really excited about their plans for that space. So if you're by the stadium, swing by 830 Henry or visit Prentice4M.com. Hey, it's Nick Hopwood, founder and president at Peak Wealth Management. We have a lot in common. We both went to Michigan. We're both huge fans, but I'm concerned about how much time you're spending on Michigan football recruiting. This could be time spent with me pouring over your cash flow and Roth conversion strategy. How are these Roth conversions going to get done with you spending all your time and energy on MGO Blog looking at the next five-star recruits? Hey, all kidding aside, if you're addicted to MGO Blog and you want to outsource some of your financial planning to an expert, consider us, peakwm.com slash blog. At Peak, we work with people in a variety of situations. Some of our clients are young professionals looking to optimize their savings and investments. For young people, time is the key. Some of our clients are super affluent trying to figure out when they can retire. Some are high net worth retirees looking for a second opinion on how their money's working for them. Get your second opinion at peakwm.com slash mgoblog. Peak Wealth Management. Retire with confidence. segment uh, sponsored by Ticket IQ, been our ticket partners for a long time, and finally on this podcast, is where I pick a ticket on the secondary market and discuss why it's good value, why it's bad value, what's really going on with the secondary market on that one. And I got a good one here because the Nebraska game is like super cheap right now. I think that could be a good game if they're like, yeah, if they have any special teams this year, which we've discussed on the podcast. So. Yeah, and as down as I am about Scott Frost, I think Nebraska is not going to be a 3-9 team again. This is in November. It's going to be good Michigan football and, you know, probably like a good noon game. Probably your, I mean, other than the Illinois game, like this is your last chance to see Michigan at home. And, I mean, that's the one right now in the preseason that I think you should jump on and get your tickets now because they're only like uh, 68 bucks is the get-in price and uh, $75 for a good seat. So if you're looking at a good game you want to go to with several people or bring your family to and like not just see like UConn or Hawaii or something like that. You get to see the Big Ten West champs, according that's, to Alex. That's exactly it. So go to TicketIQ.com and search for your seats. All right, so special teams, same as last year, the end. <laughs> I mean, you got Jake Moody back. Jake Moody has long eclipsed the idea that college kickers affects him. You have Brad Robbins back. You have AJ Henning back. You have Blake Corum back. And, and you have Ronnie Bell back. This is what we were saving the conversation for. This is 
Don't nip him. Nip. You're not. No, you can't nip me either. I'm nipping both of you about Ronnie Bell returning. Putts. You sit there with your nips because because we have a perfectly good AJ Henning. He doesn't make good decisions. He'll make good decisions now. You think that's so easy? Why do you think they had Caden Colasar out there? Because they were wrong. Because they need someone who's going to make good decisions. He makes good decisions. You of all it, people, it got better as the year went along. It got those, lots those better. Those first few Henning yes. ones were rough. There, yeah. It was clearly something that he worked on a lot, and he's been doing it more. You of all people know that some of the value that Jabril Peppers and Donovan Peoples Jones gave us in the punt return game, and those are also guys that you don't want to get hurt. Some of the, a lot of the value that they gave us was just getting to punts, even if you have to fair catch it or run out of bounds. Getting to those punts matter a lot, and there were a lot of punts that kind of fell down and dribbled. If you're looking for where the number one team in um, in special teams, according to FEI, uh, can improve this year, it's fielding the punts. And A.J. Henning kind of looked like a deer in the headlights sometimes. Sometimes. He also averaged almost 10 yards a return. Like That's nice. Ronnie Bell's good at that, too. And you know what you have if you but lose AJ Ronnie H- Bell again, you have other receivers. It's no, not no, like no, you're... but like not. But who, <laughs> where's your two way go on third down? And also, like you want to keep AJ Henning on this roster, yeah. So he's not going to get a whole lot of touches on offense. He needs to return the punts. And... If if he can field them, yeah. if he can't field them, I am fine going back to Ronnie he, Bell because fielding punts he had a couple is of hiccups usually important. He had a couple hiccups earlier in the year, and then he was good. Do you remember Jeremy Gallon turning, returning punts? It never, yes, never but, really got there. Yeah, okay, fine. <laughs> but not everybody's going to be Jabril Peppers, and I don't think Ronnie Bell is Jabril, Jabril Peppers. If he's like a proven like special punt returner, fine. I don't think Ronnie Bell is necessarily better than A.J. Henning. Okay. In... I mean, like, yeah, we haven't had, we don't have enough Ronnie Bell returns. To yeah, know we don't, yet. we just don't know. But he's made a good decision on all of his returns so far, and he seems, I don't know, he's got that vibe where he's like, I got this. Where Henning is like, am I going to return this? Am I going to return this? Like, you know, he's kind of squirrely out there. I mean, I don't know. My my dude had twenty nine punt returns last year, so like, that's not just yeah, that's a high rate of punt returns. So like, it's not. I, I just feel like. It's it also, a little bit overblown. Okay, it could also be, you know, maybe against Iowa where you do not want to get where like that ten yards matters a lot between like getting the ball in the twenty five versus oh, the fifteen. I mean, I, I, we'll see. We got we have a lot. There's going to be a lot of punting between the opponents in the first month of the season, and <laughs> and there's and then at that point and you kind of might want like a little more runway for that we're, offense. It's not going to matter. Like we're going to let AJ Henning do it. He's going to uh-huh. field like forty punts, and then we can make a decision. Yeah. All right. Sure. And we also should shout out Jay Harbaugh. Yep. Yes. Still around, still possibly the best special teams coach in the country. Cornelius Johnson blocked two punts last year. He's back this year. We also should shout out Tommy Doman because he needs to get a couple chances, I think, to show that he can kick or punt, and they've got plenty of garbage time to do it. Yeah. I mean, this is this is it for both yeah, Rudy yeah. They're, I mean, they're combined in their 11th year right now, so <laughs> we've, we've seen a lot. So this should be probably the best special teams unit in the country again, again, at least up there. Yeah. I mean, you you mentioned like some of the guys in the return units, like Michael Barrett is a difference maker. Yeah, um, Mike, Michael Barrett takes fake punts. Yeah. I mean, he, he took one up the middle against uh, somebody. 
Penn State? Ohio State. Ohio. In a couple years We also ago, yeah. threw the fake punt against Army. Yeah. Yeah. So he's he's definitely an option there. And like and is an up back. Remember he took a 60-yard return against Minnesota? That's true. Yeah. yeah. So he's, he's going to be an option there. And I think Michigan will once again have – until further notice, I'm just going to expect Michigan's special teams to be awesome. Yeah, I the hot take I didn't get to use was that I was more excited about Jay Harbaugh returning than Jim Harbaugh when <laughs> the Vikings thing went down. <laughs> All right, uh, that's and that was and that's, that's a Jay Harbaugh appreciation gonna, hot take right there. Here's here's an interesting counterfactual: swap Nebraska and Michigan special teams units. What is Nebraska's record that last year? Well, they, they would have beaten Michigan State. That's where I went. <laughs> Oh. Yeah. All right. Uh, overall defensive thoughts. So I think it's rickety. Mm-hmm. You know, you got one, two, three, four, five spots on defense where, like, if we have to go to a backup, that's a real bad thing. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then and we, some, like, big, big drops. And one of the other spots where there's not projected to be a big drop off, it's because we don't have anybody there, weak side head. <laughs> So, uh, I mean, the offense is going to have to carry these guys to some extent. And I don't think it's going to be terrible. You got three good corners. You got two breakout candidates at defensive tackle. You got two breakout candidates at linebacker. Some of those guys are going to come through and be like real high end players. But over the course of a season, you're going to lose some guys. And if Michigan loses the wrong guys, and they're almost all wrong guys, mm-hmm. you're going to have some holes. Yeah. I mean, you can never prepare for. That kind of thing, but like you know, there are certain spots. Mozzie Smith, one of the linebackers, where it could be like, uh, we're dead. Mike Morris. Mike Morris, another one. Yeah. Um, if you were going to start building a defense, though, having a solid secondary where you actually afford a hit or two, maybe, uh, is not a bad place to start because that gives you a pretty high floor. I was going to say defensive tackle, and yeah. defensive tackle is the other one. Like if I'm starting a defense, I want two. World-smashing defensive tackles. Right. Well, the two things you don't want to happen to you are, can the offense get five yards every single play no matter what, which is defensive tackle? Or can the offense just throw the ball over our heads whenever they want to, and that's secondary. If you have kind of iffiness on the outside and iffiness at linebacker, um, you're going to get gashed, and also sometimes you're just going to put them in third and long and it won't matter because they can't bring those guys to bear. The spot where we don't really have anything is like, how do we get off the field on third down? And the answer is going to be they're going to have to cover longer now. Yeah, and the, the, you can see them doing that because mm-hmm. you have DJ Turner, who's now fully weaponized version of himself, and then by midseason probably going to be flanking him with Will Johnson. And, you know, uh, I feel like if you get something out of that nickel spot, if St. Russell can play, mm-hmm. you're going to be able to cover long enough for Michigan's uh, – interior pass rush to get home and also i mean they're just gonna have to blitz right yeah they're gonna have to i mean we've got the guy i i'm glad that we've got the Ravens staff right here telling us how to do it because if anyone can build a defense out of that kind of parts where like you know the the defensive line is just a ticking time bomb because they're just shoving you back into the pocket Mm -hmm. and you're gonna have to blitz your linebackers a lot who would you want to in all of football who would you want running a defense like that it's the Raven staff. And, like, you know, McDonald was was great, but McDonald also kind of got to say, okay, we're going to we're gonna have Aiden Hutchinson deal with that. 
right? And they, they didn't really have to protect the middle of the defense that much because Hutchinson could start out wide and then just crush inside. Well, and you remember, like, the, before the COVID year in 2019, they had Pay and Hutchinson. Right. But they had to play defensive tackle, essentially. Yeah, they had to dive in the B-gaps all the time. Right, because those guys were going to get gashed all the time. So maybe if they do have a couple defensive tackles who don't need to be babysat, Mm -hmm. whoever that weak side end is can be a little irresponsible. Yeah. And, like, be like, all right, you know, if I get a little bit too far upfield, it's going to be fine because, you know, Mozzie's going to push the pocket back and we're not going to open up a huge gap in the line. True. So. And also, I mean, in fairness to some of the guys that we've not seen edge rush very much yet, I've got 18 edge rushes from Jalen Harrell and – 33, well, 33 is enough <laughs> to tell for Upshaw, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, but, like, you know, there's, there's a lot of these guys we haven't really seen pass rush yet. Like, if they got in those situations, they had Ojabo on the field last year. Well, and, like, let's say Derek Moore is, is a dude. Yeah. Yep. You can put him out there on passing downs. Oh, yeah. Right? And you're probably going to get a fair number of passing downs because the – Defensive tackles are going to constrict a lot of things, and you're running Mike Morris out there as another uh, very solid run defender. Yeah. And I wouldn't yeah. discount the second year in a new system thing. I mean, obviously the coordinator changes, but fundamentally it's a similar idea. And, like, last year you had a new scheme and linebackers who <laughs> didn't really know what was going on a lot of the time. Yeah, and they it got, really only dipped their toes in that new scheme, yeah, too. Yeah, and it got uh, kind of covered up because they could just – rely on, on Hutchinson and Ojabo. And now I think some of the schematic advantages might come into play a little more. We do have a guy named Weiss on the coaching staff. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's terrible. Thank you, Brian. Uh, <laughs> we, I mean, we're going from McDonald to Minter, and, I, you know, McDonald just took the one of the best defensive coordinating jobs in football mm-hmm. because of last season. So it might be true that McDonald was just really the whiz kid that he was a promised. Wunderkind, yeah. Yeah. Um, and Minter, very different history, but he was on that same staff. He knows how to run the defense. And like I said, they were only dipping their toes in Ravens amoeba stuff. And the reason they weren't dipping their toes is because they couldn't play man. And the Ravens actually play a lot of cover zero. They blitz cornerbacks. They blitz safeties a lot. And, you know, that was only a bit part of last year because – you're not going to drop Ojabo. You're not going to drop Hutchinson. You're taking your best part of the defense away. Yeah. So it's like, okay, let's just have those guys pass rush and play zone defense. There you can play. If Will Johnson's all that, you can play cover zero with him on one side and you know, uh, DJ, DJ Turner on the other side. And if like, you're confident in a slot fade or a slot post going okay, are you? Well, if both cornerbacks on an, are on an island, then you got an extra safety to deal with that, and you're playing three on two in the inside. Well, you said cover zero, so. Well, cover yeah, well, I mean, cover <laughs> zero means that you're, yeah, both those guys are going to be on the let's slot. Let's call it cover one. Five cover one. one gives you that kind of, yeah, but, I mean, they can probably get away with cover zero against most of the, I mean, you're not going to have a problem covering most of the slots that Michigan's going to face this year. I know. It's the Jackson Smith and the well, Giant yeah, but problem. Why would we, like, are we going to be able to beat pretty much all the teams on the schedule without that much of a problem? Like, yes. So why don't we do what we did last year and just design everything around the Ohio State game? And then yes. if you beat Ohio State, then yes. you're good. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, you play cover one all day. I guess let's do at least an if. And then, you know, like my, my theory, just play cover one all day and then uh, – and then Are you serious? And then break it out against Ohio State because that's what you've actually been practicing uh, all year. No, that's crazy. It is crazy talk. 
All right. So we, we mentioned, you, you asked the question about what S&P plus rank at the end of the season would be satisfying for the offense. How do we feel? Satisfying for... or like one of my expectations? My expectation is below satisfaction. Okay. Well, well, what's your expectation? Expectation is top 30. Top 30? Yeah, like 27th or something. Okay. What were I they last year? I think I literally year? just used, <laughs> used last year's projection from uh, S&P. So. Well, what, what, what were they last year? At, last year was S&P. Last year they were ranked 15th at the end of the year, I think. On defense? Yeah. I thought it was higher than that. Or they, no, they were 11th in SP in the end, in the end of defense. Okay. Yeah. Um, but the preseason, they were ranked 27th. And that's kind of where I'm at for this this defense. My expectation is probably between around 20, maybe. That's pretty much where I am, too. Yeah. Yeah. Like, there's some talent here, and they're going to pose some problems for a lot of schools. And it's going to be tough, though, because, like, you play UConn, you give up 140 yards, and it's like SP hates you. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, they do have a running back, man. Like they, they got one guy. Yeah, one. But, uh, yeah. I mean, it's gonna be what happens against Ohio State. Can this, the the S and P number doesn't matter as much to me as like, you know, Michigan State does not have an all world running back problem anymore. So, can you cover Jaden Reed? Like last year, they actually lost that guy with Dax Hill. But you know, this year you can just lock DJ Turner onto him. We weren't playing Turner yet at that point. Well. Michigan would have to start moving guys around if they're going to do that because Reed plays in the slot a lot. It's part of the defense, though. You're expecting your cornerback, if you're outside receiver, your cornerbacks can all play the slot. And DJ Turner can certainly play the slot. We haven't seen people follow yeah. guys around. That hasn't happened in a while. Well, that was because last year's defense, they had, to go to, they had to go to zone. So they went to match zones. Uh. And the idea was protecting Vincent Gray. And he was good in that context. But you had to protect them, and you gave up a lot when you did that. They're not going to do that this year. They're not going to play cover one all year. But they're they're going to be more. They're going to do some man stuff because you have the athletes to stick with most of the teams you're going to play. Who do you worry about? Jaden Reed, Parker Washington, and Ohio State. Yep. Maryland's got some good receivers. Oh, yeah, I forgot about those guys. I mean, they got some good receivers. <laughs> they got great receivers. Man, I'm sorry, Maryland. Put them 30, they're going to give up 60, right? Yeah. Yep. That's demons. <laughs> All right, well, uh, we're going to end this podcast now. I'm going out of town. You guys can do the other teams. All right. the MGO Podcast. I'm Seth Fisher along with Brian Cook and Alex Strain. I don't know how the seashells work. I don't know how this defense works, but they work somehow. The secret is in the seashells. Who's got it better than us? Nobody!